0: Welcome to Spooky Psychology with Megan and Lauren.
1: Hello and welcome back to Spooky Psychology with Megan and Lauren. I'm I'm Megan. (laughs) I'm Lauren. We're here. Uh, Today is a super special, Megan is a very tired edition of Spooky Psych. I know that's everyone's favorite, so good times. It's going to be
0: good. It's going to be great. Um... Yeah, so I mean, before we get into it, just a quick, quick thing. Um, We did want to mention a change in uh, days that you can expect um, new episodes. Yes, so
1: in light of uh, just schedule changes and... Availability to record for both Lauren and myself. Episodes will now be released on Mondays. So every other Monday, expect a new episode from us.
0: Yes. So hopefully that works with you. Aside from that, we are super grateful for everybody who's taken the time to fill out the surveys, continue to do that. It is really, really helpful. Yes,
1: it's definitely helpful. Uh, We've gotten some good feedback and some good uh, episode suggestions, including the topic of today's episode was suggested through the survey. So pretty please uh, go fill that out. You still get a chance to vote on a future episode. And also just let us know what you want to hear from us. Give us some feedback. Um, In light of feedback that we've gotten so far, it seems like... uh, People in our audience are pretty split on if they like us talking or if they don't like us talking. So it seems like the majority of people like our chat at the beginning of episodes. Some people not a fan of banter, content only listeners totally fine, we hear you. Uh so for you guys, I'm going to start including the exact timestamp of when the content actually starts in the episode description. So if you just want to skip us chatting in the beginning and get straight to the topic of the episode, go right ahead. The timestamp will be in the description. It's okay. You're not hurting our feelings, we get it. It's okay, I completely get it, and I think ours, it's like some episodes we talk for a long time, and some episodes it's like, hey, welcome back, right into it. (laughs) So we're kind of all over the place Mm -hmm. with it. Um, So, And I get it, some podcasts I like the banter, some I hate it, and sometimes like... I don't know. I haven't actually listened to My Favorite Murder in like over a year. I haven't either, to be honest. Now, I just kind of got over it and stopped listening to it. But, you know, their banter goes on for like an hour sometimes. And it's just like that. That, I think, is too much. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But, you know, to each their own. Yeah. So
0: So we're here. We're giving you you choices.
1: Yeah. You can listen to us or not. It's your call. Yes. Same with the podcast or our chit chat. You don't have to listen to us, but we like it when you do. Yeah. We also have a new patron, patron yes. this year. Uh, we have a 1 euro patron. Yes. That's the first. I believe first they do euro. convert our first euro which I believe they do convert into a US dollar, which I hope so. <laughs> we appreciate because I'm I'm not really sure where we could spend euros here, but lovely to have our international patrons.
0: Yes. Hey,
1: what's up? Lawrence finding out who they are right yes, now. Yes, her
0: name is Sarah she's our euro patron we appreciate you thank you for listening to us in other countries that's super cool
1: thank you sarah so much for that welcome welcome Uh, welcome i also just want to throw it out there that we are updating some of our patron uh, perks so not sure the specifics but uh pretty soon i.e. whenever i get it set up in our patreon you guys will be able to once a month vote On a topic for an episode. So we will be throwing out a few that we are considering doing. Realistically, they'll probably be every third episode will be a patron (laughs) pick. Um, But yeah, we'll put it out there. So at least once a month, we will throw out some different ideas of things we're considering doing. You guys can vote on what you want to hear and um, really just uh, tell us what you want to hear and we will do whatever the most popular vote it is. Um, Also in the survey, what I'm finding out is that not... Many people want to listen to an episode on people who believe in Bigfoot and cryptozoology. Oh, really? Uh, But I want to do it really bad, so it's probably happening at some point. I also have, um, I know several people who have gone on an actual Bigfoot hunt before, so. Interesting. Maybe even some
0: interviews. We'll see. I think it's a
1: cool idea, so.
0: Uh, I did want to give a shout out to somebody who's been pretty active on our Facebook page, and they're very sweet. Um, Her name is Lori McElroy. Um, She sent us a little message saying, I'm loving your podcast. Just the kind of thing I was looking for in place of of some of the depressing but true crime, true crime podcasts. (laughs) I understand that. She says, I like getting to the whys much more than the details of how crimes are perpetrated. Plus, you have spooky in the title, lol thanks laurie and thank you for sharing the fun stuff with us she sent this necklace that's made out of teeth (laughs) she Mm -hmm. goes just in case you don't want to throw out baby teeth you can make it into a into a necklace or into jewelry i and i kind of love slash hate that idea
1: so deeply (laughs) in my soul Uh, But I love that she sent it to us. So if any of you are parents that have made jewelry out of your children's baby teeth or have made jewelry out of teeth in general, we would very much like to hear about this. Um, I have so many follow-up questions, quite Mm -hmm. frankly. Um, There's actually an episode... Have you ever watched Young and Hungry? No. There's an episode where she... The main character sets up a guy with a girl from her building who makes teeth jewelry. Teeth? Teeth Great. jewelry? And it's a whole thing where they, like, think she's a serial killer. And then it's like, no, I just make jewelry on Etsy. And, like, it's weird, but people like it. And so they're like, oh, cool, we misjudged. And then at the end, they're like, where do you get the teeth from? She's like, oh, I break into the morgue. (laughs) Then they leave. Um, So baby teeth, reasonable place to get teeth for your jewelry. Adult teeth brings up much more questions, but maybe there's a market for this. I don't really know.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I love the suggestion somebody gave um, in the survey of... Um, doing an episode about, like, creepy children and kids doing, like, creepy things. (laughs) I don't know why I love that so much, but I think it's great. Creepy children. Uh, Children are creepy. I also have this theory
1: specifically about young girls going through a creepy phase Mm -hmm. because I think society doesn't want them to be creepy. And, like, I remember this one time my niece, she's, like, five or six at the time, and she's just laying on the couch, and she just looks up at me and just goes, I have a cut on my foot. I was like okay and she's just like and it's bleeding and the room is filling with my blood and you are swimming in my blood right now and I'm like all right I will swim in your blood like okay There's a lot of creativity in that sentence it's
0: okay it's just like
1: like I just I love the creepy things that kids say sometimes and I'm just like yes please explain more why we're all swimming in your blood right now <laughs> like yes because I don't know why I love I love when kids say creepy things it just amuses me endlessly and And there's
0: something just so much more like horrifying about it than if an adult said that and it's always so
1: casual too so i do love the idea of doing an episode on just like creepy things kids do Mm -hmm. i'm about it i love it
0: i'm about it kids
1: are creepy kids are, are really creepy really creepy thing and boys go through creepy i mean i think all kids Mm -hmm. go through creepy phases i think it's just like funnier when it's like a four-year-old girl in a really frilly dress that just leans in really close and is like i'm gonna murder you after my tea party and it's like (laughs) all right girl calm down there's just something so funny about it i love it i love Love it.
0: it so maybe in the future we'll talk about that more maybe um but why don't we get into our topic today
1: yeah, so today's topic, we are going to be going into the bystander effect. So, thank you so much for whichever anonymous survey participant, um, you know, just come did this, suggested yes. the bystander effect. And also, guys, we made a bold choice with this episode yeah. because we are going to talk about the bystander effect and we are not going to talk about the Kitty Genovese case so that did publicize it um there is some controversy about the case because a lot of information about it was misrepresented in the media which has led to some interesting findings overall but also so many people know about it so we're going to talk more about modern research about the bystander effect we're going to tell some real life stories including the one time i witnessed a crime and so well maybe not even a crime i witnessed a thing that someone something needed bad. help with <laughs> something that you know i don't know the specifics of the situation but it did not look good and watched the bystander effect happen
0: in real time yes um and we're definitely taking a clinical approach this episode and talking about like research and research studies um just breaking all of that down because I mean we know like reading research um, it can be super wordy sometimes so we're happy mm-hmm. to kind of translate and make it readable
1: yes and we spent collectively several <gasps> years in a research uh-huh. lab reading the wordiest of research papers and the least interesting no offense to the researchers who wrote all of them but it's great for what you do but yeah not <laughs> we, re- we read a lot of like 35 page very wordy very technical research paper so we're both pretty good at breaking them down
0: well uh, do you remember how it was set up where the person who was running it would be like okay i want you guys to read this article this week and then he would call on people at random to explain like the methods mm-hmm. and like the discussion and like everything so you had to be like on guard ready to explain it
1: yes and they were weekly and they were all like 30 pages yep. How often did you actually read the research article?
0: Hardly ever. I got really good at skimming. Pro tip.
1: Read the abstract, read Mm -hmm. the methods, read the conclusions. You'll probably be able to explain it. Uh, Also, some of the studies, I will be very honest with you guys. Some studies, I could only get the abstracts. So we don't necessarily have full paper, but the abstract basically goes over the general findings of the study um, But I won't be able to explain the methods as well as I would like to. I just... uh, I had I had some things happen this week. I had some some difficult personal stuff come up. Everything is okay Just some things some news about someone else and I, you know, didn't really research a lot ahead of time, so I didn't have time to get around the paywalls. So that's we're okay. going, we're going off of abstracts. Well, and today. the abstract
0: tells us a lot. Like usually, if I'm being totally honest, I'll read like the abstract and the discussion, and that's like all I'll read.
1: Yeah, read the abstract and the discussion. Uh, not that we promote not reading your full research I mean, articles. It's all
0: fascinating and wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> because
1: Lauren and I definitely read the full of every research article we were supposed to, and also read all of the textbook and did not just read the vocabulary and make flashcards, not a once. Not a once. We were perfect students. Yep. Brilliant, in fact. Brilliant,
0: perfect, to be cut corners. No, never. Never. Okay, so let's get into what the bystander effect is. Um, So by definition... The bystander effect occurs when the presence of others discourages an individual from intervening in an emergency situation. It could be against um, a bully, for example, or an assault or any other crime, really. The greater the number of bystanders, the less likely it is for any one of them to provide help to a person in distress. People are more likely to take action in a crisis where there are few or no other witnesses present. So based on this, you know, it's pretty widely known that um, you're actually more in danger the more people are around you, actually. Mm
1: -hmm. Yes, um, although... I will bring in some research that an important point on this is that the bystander effect basically means it's less likely for any one individual to intervene. However, some studies are showing that in a lot of situations, at least one person does intervene. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just that you would expect that if 50 people are witnessing something, everybody would help or most people would help. Usually you get the rare person that will always step in and help. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. People still do often help, it's just less likely the more people are there that any one individual will do that.
0: Yes, and, and later on in the episode we'll kind of talk about things that you can do um, to help against the bystander effect and how to be more of just, like, a present
1: bystander.
0: Mm-hmm. Um So, yeah. So next we're going to kind of get into research stuff. So uh, an important research. So much research.
1: (laughs) Research heavy article, guys.
0: Yes. So there is an important research team um, that actually were inspired by the Kitty Genovese um, crime that happened. Um, The researchers were Bib Latane, I think is how you pronounce it, and John Darley. Um, They are social psychologists. And they were um, one of the first experimenters to kind of do this type of research. So what they did in 1968 is they asked participants to sit in their own, sit on their own in a room and complete a questionnaire on the pressures of urban life. So totally normal. But Mm -hmm. then what they did is they had smoke, but it was actually steam began pouring into the room through a small wall vent. Within two minutes, 50% of the people had taken action, and 75% had acted within six minutes when the experiment had ended. So in the groups of three participants, 62% carried on working for the entire duration of the experiment, even though smoke was pouring into the room.
1: So this also points out something really interesting about psychological research. So you always have to understand if you are participating in a psychological study, you may not know what study you are participating in until afterwards you will be debriefed. Yep. Um, but just like this, these participants thought they were just there to do a questionnaire about urban life. Um, And sometimes, I mean, there's two experiments and they actually just have people (laughs) filling out questionnaires for a different experiment while they test to see what you do. So um, they are allowed to lie to you in research. But unlike our deep dives into very unethical studies, when ethically done, they do have to tell you afterwards. And there is a large group of people that has to prove that them lying to you about the nature of the experiment will not damage you.
0: Right. And obviously this was done ethically in the sense, too, of like they weren't filling the room up with like actual right. smoke. Like it was steam and, you know, things like mm-hmm. that. So I'm, I'm sure they really thought about all of those things and tried to keep it ethical. Um, but Very interesting. Um, so what they kind of found in this study was that there are two factors that tended to influence the bystander effect. So the first thing was diffusion of responsibility And the second part was social influence. So perceived diffusion of responsibility is when there are more onlookers, the less personal responsibility individuals will feel to take action. So, you know, it's that, again, diffusion of responsibility. So you feel like you're not responsible for something because there's other people around. Mm hmm. And then the second thing is social influence um, or peer pressure. So individuals monitor the behavior of those around them to determine how to act. So if you think about this experiment, you might think about, okay, like they're seeing other people not get up and run out of the room. So they might think to themselves like, okay, this is probably not a big deal. I can sit through this. Interestingly, um, there is kind of another
1: factor in this in terms of the social influence which will actually there's something called reputational cost that is also in play because in bystander situations you are more likely to intervene if you are with people that you know and that you care about Mm -hmm. i.e. if you're with your best friend and romantic partner you will assume they will think badly of you if you don't do anything uh. and that will make you more likely to actually intervene um so this is an example a psychologist and who happens to be an expert on the bystander effect j van Bavel. j van Bavel. it's a That's tricky a one hard <laughs> name to say i'm gonna edit it and it's gonna sound perfect uh from new york university he was on a subway and he saw a man beating up a woman who appeared to be his girlfriend. Uh, he, you know, was going through the whole, like, uh, I'm not, you know, the most intimidating person. Uh, lots of people, he said, walked right by, looked embarrassed, didn't do anything, but him and his friend eventually grabbed the um, guy who was attacking the female, pushed him to the ground, held him there, at which point somebody did actually call for help. Um, He credits that it's his awareness of the bystander effect that actually motivates him to stand up more, which I feel like that is well in many situations when I have intervened, just because I know that not a lot of people will so I feel a bit more personal responsibility to do it but he said it was also the presence of his friend because it decreased the risk that he would get beaten up and also increased the reputational talks you're more likely to intervene if you think you'll be diminished in the eyes of someone you know if you don't Mm -hmm. so if you're around strangers that are all choosing to not intervene you would not be as worried because they're not intervening either but if you're with friends or family you're a bit more likely to feel a pressure to step up and intervene in a situation Mm -hmm. Um, and this is a tip that he gives that I've also heard directly um, is that if you are in need of help it is more effective to make eye contact with someone and ask one specific person to help you um, because that increases the reputational cost i.e. if you uh look someone in the eye point at them and say call 9 yep. you that per you've chosen that person um so that might make them more specifically going to especially since most people in a survey will say that they would absolutely respond in an emergency pretty much everyone would be like yeah totally call 911. and in reality it's a lot more murky yeah um so always call out a specific person i know um i don't know if i'm very lucky or unlucky but i have been in many situations i've probably called for emergency services 15 or 20 times for various things that i've witnessed in my life car accidents like different things and i have personally seen that yeah it's it's pretty effective i know at one i pretty much just gave everyone direct instructions on what to do and just kind of took over the situation uh, and, yeah, if you directly tell someone, you call 911, you go do this, you go do this, you go check on the other driver, pretty much most people will be like, oh, okay, and we'll go do it. Right. Um, so, got to be, be specific if you're able to. So, some more studies that I've found. So, this is a more recent study. Um, from Empathy to Apathy, the Bystander Effect Revisited. Uh, an article by Rudd Hordensens and Beatrice de Gelder. My apologies to the two of you for presumably not pronouncing your names correctly. Um, I try my best, but there's so many great research coming out of so many different countries and so many different languages. It's very hard to always get the names correct with little context. Yep. Um, but they found that... In their, I think they were more of a meta-analysis, but they found three psychological factors that facilitate bystander apathy, which is people choosing to not respond or just not feeling the responsibility. So there's less responsibility when more bystanders are present, the diffusion of responsibility, the fear of unfavorable public judgment when helping, mm-hmm. evaluation apprehension, And if the belief that no one else is helping the situation is not actually an emergency, which Uh. they're calling pluralistic ignorance, which I think the evaluation apprehension is more of like, is there a reason Mm -hmm. no one's intervening? Is there something? Did they all see part of it that I didn't see? Right. I mean, even think of how they caught Richard Ramirez. It was Mm. a large group of people going after a single man. If you lack the context that that man is Richard Ramirez and these people are apprehending a serial killer until the police can come arrest him, you might assume these people are all attacking someone for no reason without the context. So if a bunch of people are watching it happen and not do something, in that case, they were acting perfectly appropriately in apprehending a serial killer. But you can view it differently. And so sometimes you might feel like you don't have the context. And if other people are choosing to not respond then maybe there's a reason and they know right. something that you don't know maybe you know like am person... i being dramatic right
0: now for responding in this right. way yeah
1: like is this not really an emergency is this you know someone where like Did the person who's hitting the other person, are they actually apprehending them after they hit a third person? And they're like, it's, there's so much that you may not know in situations. And so sometimes that will hold people back of just assuming that it's not really an emergency if no one's responding or that they'll do something wrong by choosing to respond.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, There is also, um, you know, some neurological stuff written in that same mm-hmm. one which is a bit different than the other neurological stuff you you put in later. Uh, they did a functional MRI study, directly mapped neural activity as a function of the number of bystanders present in an emergency situation. Participants watched an elderly woman collapsing to the ground alone or in the presence of one, two, or four bystanders, activity increased in vision and attention-related regions, but not in the actual thought process network. So they're paying attention visually, mm. but not, like, thinking actively through the situation. Okay. Um, when participants witnessed emergencies with increasing number of bystanders, a decrease in activity was observed in brain regions important for the preparation of health. So they're actually seeing that the more people are there when someone falls, the less your brain is pushing you towards action from a neurological standpoint, which is really interesting.
0: That is interesting.
1: On this one, um, really going through the concept of the bystander effect as it pertains to bullying victims um, in in in-person versus cyber bullying. Because I think we think about the bystander effect in large things. And like, how many times did you see someone get bullied at school? Right. Right. Or see something happen. So this is a Turkish study. The title is Direct Bullying and Cyberbullying, Experimental Study of Bystanders' Motivation to Defend Victims in the Role of Anxiety and Identification with the Bully. Unfortunately, this was an abstract-only one, so I can't go too into depth about it. Um, the method for this study is 388 students with a median age of 12 years. 49.7% female, so pretty good split females and male students there, pretty much half and half, from two Turkish public schools between 5th and 8th grade participated in vignette experiments. So they read through a story and rated how they felt. So the students were randomized, one of the two stories, which is a story about bullying or a story about cyberbullying, mm-hmm. and self-reported measures of motivation to defend and experiencing, like, if they were feeling anxious or depressed in relation to this experience, and identification with the victim or bully were used. So they measured all of that. Participants reported more autonomous motivation in the cyberbullying condition, while those who witnessed direct bullying reported higher anxiety and depression scores. They revealed that this type of condition was associated with anxiety and depression. Anxiety was associated with motivation to defend, and participants in the direct bullying condition were more likely to identify with the bully versus the victim, which is really fascinating at the way yeah. that it impacts you. So they. Th- basically think that adolescents are motivated to help the victims of bullying because it's just deciding whether or not they should intervene so it actually seems to be indicating that people are more motivated to intervene online than in person okay um, which would be really really interesting um they're they're more motivated in the cyberbullying condition in the direct one they're kind of like more anxiety and depression which is also interesting but it makes sense because in cyberbullying you're removed from the situation even if you say something to defend the person online it's different than physically
0: intervening there's less danger right because if you're in person you might be afraid that like oh the bully is gonna like beat me up or whatever Mm -hmm.
1: you know yeah yeah so that was really interesting um They have a richer picture of what they assess when deciding whether or not they should intervene. But also interesting that people with more anxiety tend towards wanting to intervene more. Which actually makes sense because anxiety is a lot of like you need to do something type of feeling.
0: Yeah. Interesting. And just to go back on the study for a second, just for like people who don't um, read a lot of research. So when Megan was talking about how there were conditions in the study, what that means is that they'll present several different things so like one will be um what's known as like the control right or like mm-hmm. something that has nothing to do with bullying it might just be like reading a story and then they might have a condition where it's like the cyber bullying and i think there was mm-hmm. like one other condition right
1: this was just direct bullying and cyber bullying so okay. they did not report a control in this one okay uh so yeah the two conditions were a cyberbullying vignette and the other one was a direct bullying direct vignette bullying.
0: okay so yeah so like that's that's all that means is that there's several different um stories that they present and it, the reason that they do that is so that they can take out like certain factors to individually look at certain things or certain mm-hmm. conditions that may affect um the research
1: yeah and i mean it is really important to understand all of the different factors into why someone chooses to intervene or not intervene so i really liked the take on cyberbullying because that is like an interesting addition to it that i didn't even really think of um but it makes perfect sense totally okay um So this is another abstract from a study. The unresponsive bystander, are bystanders more responsive in dangerous emergencies? So looking into if it's a worse emergency, are people actually more likely or less likely to respond? Mm. Um, So previous research found that the presence of other bystanders reduces helping behavior in an emergency. Um, But the research was mainly conducted in the context of non-dangerous, non-violent emergencies. So they hypothesized that the classic bystander effect does not occur in more dangerous situations because they are faster and more clearly recognized as emergencies. And there's a higher cost for refusing help and an increasing accepted cost for helping Right, someone
0: could die or you could look like a huge asshole for not doing anything.
1: Right, and the thing is, obviously, there are cases where in dangerous situations, few or no people did respond. Um, but again, this is just an abstract. I was unable to access the whole study, but their results supported the expectations. In situations with low potential danger, more help was given in the solitary condition than in the bystander condition. Mm. So if it was a low danger, people, if they were on their own, pretty likely to help bystander not so much if there were a lot Um, but in situations with a high potential danger participants confronted with an emergency alone or in presence of another bystander were similarly likely to step in and help the victim which is good i mean good good. that in dangerous situations people will help um i got two more because i gotta go up to so this is a cross-national CCTV footage study, um, which is really, really interesting. So uh, for people in America, lots of other countries just have a uh, closed circuit television footage of pretty much like streets everywhere. Like you're pretty much, I know, um, you know, in England they'll talk a lot about how there's just a lot more CCTV in cities where like you're just they're recording the streets and so they can see a lot of what happens. Mm-hmm. So this is, again, just in abstract, but it hits the high points. I just can't explain too much into depth. So, but they say, Half a century of research on bystander behavior concludes that individuals are less likely to intervene during an emergency when in the presence of others than alone. By contrast, little is known regarding the aggregated likelihood that at least someone present at an emergency will do something to help. So that's kind of the thing, is bystander effect is your individual likelihood, but there's not a lot of studies on overall, do people, is there at least one person that intervenes or not? Mm. Um, So this article is the largest systematic study of real-life bystander intervention and actual public conflicts captured by surveillance cameras. So this is interesting. They didn't, like, set it up. It's not fake. This is just looking at CCTV footage from the United Kingdom, the Netherlands, and South Africa. They had 219 incidents. Um, that they recorded on CCTV between those three countries and they showed that in 9 out of 10 public conflicts, at least one bystander, but typically several will do something Um, so that does flip it on its head just a little bit, Um, again because with research if people know they're in a study that may impact how they behave this is just looking at actual footage of incidents and seeing if anyone did anything or not um So, in addition, they said similar likelihoods of intervention were across in all three countries, which differ greatly in levels of perceived public safety. So, they're culturally different countries, but they did find a similar number of people. And they actually found that increased bystander presence is related to a greater likelihood that someone will intervene. So, that is a bit different than what's typically found in bystander effects, but at the... At the same time, I think something that could be considered in a factor is, if you're in public, how often are you with people that you know? So this is just looking at CCTV footage. So they weren't interviewing people about what happened. So you don't know if the, if it's you know multiple people intervening. Are they all friends? Do they all know each other? <laughs> like is this a group of people who are friends intervening or a group of strangers? Um, right. But it, so they are kind of arguing that you know, for psychology to change the narrative away from an absence of help towards a new understanding of what makes it successful or unsuccessful. Um, and this is a study actually published in 2020. So this is really a recent. newer... This is more recent research. Um, the researchers are Richard Phillips, Lassie, Supunpera, Lista, Mark Levine, Wim Bersanaco, and Marie Rosenkrantz Lingard. Um, so... Interesting research to really yeah. come to.
0: It kind Uh-oh. of reminds me, like obviously it's not CCTV footage, um, but that show, uh, What Would You Do, with mm-hmm. John Quinones, where like the whole like show is basically like based off of like you know the bystander effect and like will mm-hmm. people like not respond or not say anything or will they like step up and like do something and it's so interesting because like you know they capture everything like on film but the cool part is that they do interview people afterwards and they'll mm-hmm. be like hey like why did you decide like not to do anything or why did you decide to step in and say something um so i don't know i love that show though yeah it it's
1: Super, super interesting. Um, I do like that as well. And um, yeah, because again, it's, it's real world situations versus studies. Are they the same? And also, like, there are a lot of instances of people intervening. And in most stories about the bystander effect, there was at least one person that did intervene. Right. Um, even in, you know, the famous, you know, kitty your base case. It took them 20 minutes but somebody did call 911. It's not that no it's they took too long to right. call 911 and not everybody did, but somebody actually did do it, which means that somebody did intervene maybe didn't intervene in the most helpful way did not intervene as should as soon as they should have right um and it was tragic but there was still somebody that intervened which is something that you will see so it is interesting that there's the perception that nobody helps when in reality in a lot of situations somebody still does it's just that it's not as many people as you would logically think it would be right or as Um, quickly as you
0: would
1: hope right and so Something else, um, this is from the from empathy and apathy. My, I just wanted to say this at the end. So back to the bystander effect revisited kind of a conclusion that they have, which is an interesting argument, mm-hmm. um, more from a social psychology perspective of something that theoretically could be involved, um, where they're looking into the neurological study and they're like, this is new insight, but it allows for speculation on the ultimate cause. Why is the motivation to help dependent on the number of bystanders? Perhaps because for the best outcome, only the fittest, strongest, most experienced, most qualified individuals should help and others should not mm. um, or should help more cautiously. The training of firefighters and other first responders directly follow these. Only well-trained individuals are allowed to help while the trainees are excluded, right? If you're right. still training, you are not actually able to help. So they're like taking into the the account and composition and size of the bystander group is crucial to providing efficient help so that is like an interesting theory that because they're they're saying there is indirect evidence bystander apathy is reduced when they know each other Hmm. and that's like the big key and again what i was saying with the cctv footage you don't know how many of those people know each other but even lauren what you were saying like earlier i think when we were talking about this before like times when you see something and you just don't know how to intervene so you don't that
0: reminds me because like i i definitely consider myself like a super like empathetic person and like i definitely want to help people but i mean i've been in situations where like recently i was in a waiting room and there was a man who was like falling out of his wheelchair but like I paused in terms of like helping because like I just know like physically I I can't lift that person so I think Mm -hmm. in my mind I was like waiting for someone like bigger than me to help but I do think ultimately like if no one did anything I I would try to do something you know yeah
1: yeah and it's a lot like we know our own strengths and capacity and like I said you know I I have intervened in a large number of situations in a variety of different ways. Um, But, you know, also things to consider in terms of, like, one, I am very familiar with the bystander effect, and I know that. Two, I mean, I, you know... My CPR certification and my first aid certification and my response to emergency certification have all expired. But I have been certified in all of those things and, you know, de-escalation techniques multiple times through my career. So I do have a pretty good handle. We actually had to be certified in responding to emergencies and first aid to graduate high school. So I've had the first one pretty young. I've done response training, CPR training, and basic first aid at most jobs that I've had. It's not required at the job now, so I haven't kept up with the certification. Um, because it costs money to go to the trainings Um, but like I do know that like I have basic first aid skills like I know how to communicate with 911 operators I worked on a crisis line overnight so I am very familiar with calling 911 and calling dispatch centers and telling them factual information about what's going on I am familiar with the legislature about what they can and can't do and so I'm probably more likely than most people to intervene just because I've done it and I do have training but right. if you don't know how to help you know you could also go into fight or flight and end up freezing right which is a different phenomena and so it is just it's such an interesting thing um
0: and it's, but it's do... interesting too because like when like an emergency happens just from like that trauma lens like people become um what's the word like uh, hyper vigilant and hyper aroused, and like naturally as human beings, we like stop and like scan, mm-hmm. and like that's like a super like involuntary response. So like the ability, so it you know it's important not to judge ourselves too harshly if we pause and kind of scan mm-hmm. because that's what we're innately supposed to do. Yeah, yeah,
1: definitely, and you know it's just an interesting phenomenon because even though the bystander effect you know per research and everything does tend to be a very real thing in real world situations typically at least one person responds right so it's it is interesting it's a lot of like it's even almost like a thought experiment at certain times where it's like what do people actually do So there's a lot of factors, but I love how much research is coming out of it. And Lauren has got some more
0: for us. So let's shoot on over. All right, guys, we're just going to pause for a second because we really want to thank a new sponsor. Yay! Yay. Sponsors! Sponsors! It finally happened, you guys. Um, So we have a new sponsor called Podcorn. They are sponsoring this episode for us, and we're so grateful. Podcorn is a marketplace connecting podcasters to podcast sponsorships. So back you know, as we were telling you, we were really wanting to have a sponsor. And so this website made it super easy for us to go ahead and apply for sponsorships and start getting connected to people.
1: Yeah, so far we are loving Podcorn. We signed up and we're pretty instantly able to find sponsors. They've been great to work with. And one of the cool things about Podcorn is they're great for podcasts of all sizes to browse and choose opportunities that are right for their own platform and collaborate directly with the brands. So this isn't like some of those podcast sponsorships where you need 5,000 downloads per week. Not calling anyone out specifically, but I've seen that happen a lot. Mm -hmm. So This has been such a great place for us to start. So like Lauren said, just a market place just connects podcasters to podcast sponsorship opportunities. There's no middleman. We get to discuss it directly with ourselves, negotiate, and figure it out, which we are loving. So, if Absolutely. any, if any of you, much like Lauren and myself, have a podcast and would like to get sponsored this year, please check out Podcorn. The link will be in the
0: episode description. Absolutely, be sure to check it out. There's a lot of cool ones. You know, we saw a bunch of different ones like wine sponsorships, Ooh. yoga, meditation you know, all sorts of different companies that are really cool. So be sure to check them out. And thank you again to our new sponsor. Thanks, Podcorn. Thank you. Thank you. So shortly after, um, you know, I was talking about LaTanay and Darley. I was talking about their research before. So shortly after they did that one research study with like the steam in the room, in 1970, what they took from the research was a five-stage model to explain why bystanders at emergencies sometimes do and sometimes do not offer help. So this is what they came up with. So the first is the bystander must notice that something is amiss. So like if you don't even like notice that something is wrong... Um, that's a huge factor that plays into it. Yeah. Two, uh, the bystander must define the se- that situation as an emergency. So it's not just a couple, like, bickering. It's like, you know, a, a partner, like, physically harming somebody. That's more of an emergency. Mm-hmm. Um, the bystander must assess how personally responsible they feel. Um, So a lot of things can play into that, kind of like what we've been talking about in the research. Like, do they know the person? Um, Are there not that many people around? Do they feel that if they don't respond, this person could die or be seriously hurt? Um, The fourth one is the bystander must decide how to best offer assistance. Um, You know, they might try their best or they might decide, you know, I'm just not physically capable of helping in this way. Mm hmm. And then the last one is the bystander must act on that decision. Um, So, you know, if they decide like, okay, I'm going to help by calling 911, they have to follow through with it. Um, So these are just kind of more of like a process that people really go through when helping in emergency situations. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that's worth mentioning is um, some neuro research, and we've been kind of dipping into neuro research before as well. Um, but there was some research by Rand, Zaki, and Michelle Mitchell um, in 2016 and 2013, and what they're finding is that, um, in in view of traditional explanations, one would probably assume that the involvement of the brain regions that are important for decision-making are part of the bystander effect and if you decide to help or not. But emerging evidence actually suggests that certain forms of helping behavior are automatic or reflexive. Um, So in neuroimaging studies, without a bystander focus, already proposed that the automatic activation of preparatory responses in in salient situations. So what this all means basically is the old research thought that when it comes to the bystander effect or deciding if you want to help in an emergency situation or not, the old research suggested like, oh, like the part of the brain that's involved is decision making and kind of that area of the brain. But what they're finding is that it's almost automatic or reflexive. um, And that's a totally different area of your brain. Mm -hmm. So with that in mind, you know, some people probably are – more wired for an automatic or reflexive response Um, and it's less about like decision making and like weighing pros and cons Mm kind of interesting yeah um so i also read some things about how to be an active bystander so like what can we do to just be better keeping this in mind Mm -hmm. um so the first thing is to not expect others to be the first to act in a crisis so just saying stop or help is on the way can prevent further harm. It's important that you speak in a calm, firm tone. Um, and it's also important to give others directions to get them involved in helping, too. So kind of like the research Megan was talking about, just being specific and being like, okay, I'm going to sit here and put pressure on your leg. You know, you over there, call 911. Mm-hmm. Uh, do your best to ensure the safety of the victim. Great. Um, you know, create a safe barrier if you can and don't be afraid to ask assistance when you need it. That's Mm -hmm. another big, important part. Um, So there was um, kind of a research study put into uh, a plan that a lot of universities follow. um, And it was called Bringing in the Bystander. Um, It was a program developed by the University of New Hampshire in 2010. And they came up with some simple steps to be an active bystander. So the first is to notice the situation. So be aware of your surroundings. Mm
1: -hmm. The second
0: is interpret it as a problem. Do I recognize that someone needs help in this situation? The third is feel responsible to act. See yourself as being a part of the solution to help. You know, don't assume that you can't do anything. Um, another one is know what to do. So educate yourself on what to do. So if, you know, that might be taking like a CPR class, that might be, um, you know, uh, doing um, a class or educating yourself about how to make like a DCFS phone call if you see child abuse, you know, things mm-hmm. like that. Uh, the last one is intervene safely, you know, take action, but be sure to keep yourself safe. You don't want to harm yourself in the process. Um, And then they give some tips about how to intervene safely. One is to tell another person. Being with others is a good idea when a situation looks dangerous. You know, the more minds together, the probably the safer it will be. Mm -hmm. Um, Ask the person that might be harmed if they're okay. Um, Provide options and a listening ear. The next one is ask the person if they want to leave and then make sure they get home safely. And the last one is called police or someone else, an authority, an authority or yell for help. Um, So yeah, so this is kind of a a little list that they came up with. And I I feel like these are all pretty good. And it definitely Mm -hmm. reminds me of like CPR kind of first aid training with like the, is the scene safe (laughs) and like all like those steps.
1: So many things. And you know, I do, I do recommend that like most people, especially if you're able to get, you know. If there are free first aid trainings or virtual classes, or like CPR, like just take them. It's all like it's good knowledge to have, and if right. you have it available to you, I would do it. Um, because yeah, I mean, I have, I like, I don't want to sound like I'm bragging. I've just like witnessed a lot of car accidents, and I've helped at several of them, like. Doing first on, you know, hands on first aid in some of them and in others just walking around and like identifying who was injured and how many people were injured and just calling 911 and alerting them to how many people were injured. So they sent the correct amount of ambulances because um, all that stuff is important. You don't necessarily mm-hmm. have to do the first aid. It's just good to know because you never really know when it's going to come up. Yeah. Then.
0: absolutely and it's better to you know intervene and like do something and be wrong than to not do anything
1: in most cases yeah usually yeah. T- usually it's like just do it and obviously don't do like medical procedures if you don't know what no. you're doing
0: like no. be
1: careful with medical stuff but like calling if you but call and of, they like, come it's
0: like maybe fine. less like medical but more of like if you see like a violent act upon somebody or like at you know possibly an abuse situation with like a child like it's Mm -hmm. definitely better to err on the side of caution with that stuff and if you're wrong and if it's just like a couple having like a normal fight or whatever then you're like sorry like it sounded scary and i wanted to make sure you guys were okay yeah
1: absolutely like with those things just like I know there are times where, like, I saw a girl, like, looking uncomfortable at a bar, and I pretended I knew her from math class to check in with her and see if she was okay. And I believe her exact response was, I'm fine, he's my boyfriend, he's just being a dick right now. And I was like, okay, great! Like, I will leave you alone. (laughs) Just checking because, like, you look uncomfortable. Just making sure, you know, you're fine. So in a lot of situations, it's like, yeah, just say something. Just, like, if you're unsure... Okay, call 911, an ambulance will come, paramedics will check it out if you're Like, you're not going to get in trouble.
0: Like, the you know, the police aren't going to come for you and be like, how dare you, <laughs> you know? Right, but
1: especially if you're not
0: sure if someone's
1: injured or not, like, they can refuse. But if yeah. somebody, like, is bleeding, if you're really not sure, like, do something. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. So, like, a few different cases, um... Not gonna go too much into any cases because, like, I looked into a lot. Um, I found a lot of weird examples of the bystander effect. One of like the most horrifying ones that I found was um, at a Keith Urban concert in 2014. A teenager was apparently raped and people were taking pictures and videos. What? Unclear if the people thought this was like a consensual act. um, But so a lot of people witnessed it, um, but at the same time, a it ended because a woman saw what was happening and tackled the guy off of the girl. Thank um, God. He was My promptly goodness. arrested and charged, and the police took, confiscated a lot of people's phones to get the video. Evidence That's
0: disgusting of it happening.
1: Yeah, and there I did find a lot of cases like that where somebody's being assaulted and somebody does intervene but it's like there were a lot of witnesses that didn't or like a weird amount of people taking pictures um and you know that's even something to consider as a possible explanation for you know like harvey weinstein and all of Mm -hmm. these people high names were like everybody admittedly knew what was happening right like the amount of people like the amount of times where there's big cases that break where it's a little bit different than the bystander effect, but you have to think neurologically: how many people know these, like, no crimes are being committed, right. no bad things are happening, and people who are getting hurt, and still repeatedly choose to not do anything? Right. Um. So, I mean, one of one of my stories when I was in grad school, um, I lived at an apartment complex that was pretty much just students almost exclusively students so we had a bus stop from the university and it was like a heavy time of day so like hundreds of people were coming out the bus into the complex we were very 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 busy and in the parking lot at the front of our apartment complex there were three people there was a male and two females and one female was sitting in the car with the door open and the other female was being restrained by the male Uh, just with his arms and he was like they were yelling and it was like a weird situation because you're never quite sure again like you go through this like what is actually happening right Right. now Um, so I I hesitated but like I kind of hung around in the area I didn't go back to my apartment I was like let me just wait for a couple seconds and figure out what's happening Mm -hmm. and then the girl who was being held started to yell for help she was yelling like get off of me get away from me leave me alone and the guy was not leaving her alone her friend um, was yelling for help, so I, uh, did, I did not feel comfortable physically intervening, so I hid in the bushes and called 911, uh, because I was like, I will call people with training to come intervene, yeah. um, because I, I don't know what's happening, and usually when people hear sirens when something is happening, they'll just we'll leave stop. the area, uh, which yeah. was kind of what I was hoping, actually. And um, it was really interesting, though, because I was staying. I was talking to 911 for a while and, like, literally just watching hundreds of people just walk past. Because there was a new bus with, like, 20 to 50 people dropping off every five minutes. Like, it was a large amount of people who walked by. Yeah. Like, people were looking. People were staring. But nobody did anything. Yeah. Um So, and I think it was a situation that I could see how people would find it ambiguous. Like, you don't know the circumstances, but obviously they were uncomfortable and somebody was saying to leave me alone and the other person wasn't leaving them alone. I don't know how it started. I don't know any of the context, Um, but I was just like, can we just like get some people here to like figure, somebody to actually investigate what's happening and figure it out. Um, And eventually it... Escalated, there was a lot more yelling. There was some hitting that did happen. I was still on the phone with 911 explaining to them what was happening as it was happening. Because usually, if you call, the dispatcher will ask you to stay on the line and keep explaining what's happening as it's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the girl in the car got really angry and said a lot of swear words and was like, Why the fuck is no one helping? Somebody call 911. I think she had said a couple times that her phone was dead and she yeah. couldn't call. Um, she's like my phone is dead yeah and so I I yelled from the bushes I called them 10 minutes ago they're almost here Um, because again I'm hiding in the bushes because I I just uh, I
0: take gotta keep yourself safe yeah
1: I don't like to physically intervene in situations I'm unsure about and so I I hid in the bushes and just yelled from the bushes and she's like thank you and the guy just yelled fucking ran away Um, so as soon as he knew the police were coming, he ran away. Um, I think the girls stayed to, I don't know if they stayed to give them a statement pretty much at that point in time. I told them that he ran away and they're like, okay, and 911 hung up on me. And then I just went home. Uh, the guy did not see me lurking in the bushes and just ran. Uh, did find out later that he lived in my building though, but Uh. luckily did not know who I was. So that was good. So it's just a strange situation because obviously like you don't know the specifics, but you can still identify like something not good is happening. Like this is not a good situation and it's not breaking up on its own. Um, not that I always love to call the police for things. I know that's a whole nother complicated issue, but, you know, when somebody's already being violent, and especially since the violence was escalating I can't identify if that girl was in danger, and if so, how much danger there was. I know I saw yeah. it, him hit her at least once in the face. I don't know how Jesus. what else was happening, because uh, she was hitting him, trying to get him to let go, and he punched her in the face at one point in time. So, obviously, it was violent. Um, I didn't know how much danger she was in, wanted to make sure that she was okay, oh. um, you know, so... Yeah, but it was interesting how many people were like staring, gawking, whispering to their friends about it, but not doing anything.
0: Ugh. So disturbing.
1: Yeah. But at the same time, I don't know how many other people called nine one one. There could have been
0: several people in bushes.
1: Like they could people could have like walked and called a bit farther back, like Mm -hmm. and that's the other tricky thing with the bystander effect, and especially with cell phones and calling 911. Like, mm. I know I've definitely called for car accidents and just had them say, like, hey, they just witnessed a car accident and this and this, and they're like, did you directly witness it? And you're like, nope. And they're like, we already know, bye. And just hang up on I you know. because so like, many Like, We have people... gotten
0: 15 other phone calls. Like, okay, I just want to make sure. <laughs> <'cause laughs> you never Good.
1: know. Because you don't know. So usually if they've already gotten a lot, they'll tell you. Um, If you're a witness, then they'll have you stick around. Like, I know one time I was... um. Saw a couple cars hit each other. There were, like, four people that were injured. So I I didn't witness the accident directly. I came upon it. Mm -hmm. And, like, I came upon it, like, a second after it happened. And, like, people were getting out of their cars and stuff. So I got up and called and talked to everybody about how many people were hurt and, like, just figured Mm -hmm. that out and told... 911, they're like, Were you in it? I'm like, No, they're like, Great, walk around, find out who's hurt, tell me that information. So I'm like, Getting people's names and giving them to 911, and just so they're telling the paramedics. Then as soon as the cops got there, they're like, Did you witness it? I'm like, No, I'm just talking to 911 about injuries. And they're like, Great, go home. I'm like, Okay, bye. Uh, Say no more. (laughs) They like, If you can't, if you didn't see it, they usually do not want to talk to you. They're just like, Leave now. But it's especially with car accidents and stuff, it's like, Just call if you see it because you you never know
0: exactly. Exactly, and they'll they'll
1: tell you if they already know, and they will tell you to leave.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so, yep. yeah. Not a big deal. Not a big deal. Yeah. Ugh. What a terrible story.
1: Yeah. It's. I mean, it's just like interesting and I remember like even questioning if I should I did freeze for a while but then it was like I was like no because I was thinking we had just been talking about the bystander effects I'm like I gotta do something because I can't trust that anyone else will so I'm glad I did and you know it did it did de-escalate pretty quickly luckily and the guy just left of his own accord again I have no idea what was actually happening it just seemed bad
0: so 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 yeah, guys, um, that's the bystander effect. And I mean, I'm sure you guys have plenty of stories and you know, that would be kind of cool if you guys want to like write in and tell us stories where maybe you intervened and helped a situation where people weren't, um, really doing much. Um, Mm -hmm. definitely want to hear your hero stories. Um, But, yeah, I mean, definitely do your best to be an active bystander. You know, if it feels like, you know, people aren't intervening and you feel like you can help in a safe way, definitely take it upon yourself to.
1: Yeah. Definitely good to intervene when you can.
0: Yay. Yeah. So, good shit. What do you got, Megan?
1: Good shit. Uh, my good shit is that last Thursday... Through an arrangement from my job in a healthcare facility, I was able to get my first COVID nineteen vaccine. Yay! So, get a girl, uh,
0: get a girl.
1: Got my first dose of the Moderna vaccine. It uh, hurt not going in. My arm was pretty sore later, and I was a little bit sleepy for a couple hours that evening, which could be related to my existing chronic illness or could be related to the immune response of the vaccine. Unclear.
0: Boy, to flame things up.
1: Totally fine after that. Just going to throw that out there because I know a lot of people have had questions um, mm-hmm. about the vaccine since it's new. Um, I get my second one on February 18th. I've heard from a lot of people that the second one, you have a much stronger immune response and you tend to not feel so great. So I will update you guys on what happens yeah. after my second vaccine as well. Please do. Yeah, but I am glad that I was able to get it. And yeah, feeling good.
0: That's awesome. That's very important stuff. Yes. Um, How about you? Less importantly, uh, just, you know, real grateful for pasta right now. Um,
1: <laughs> wonderful.
0: I just have been eating a lot of pasta, and it, it's been good for my soul.
1: That's wonderful. What type of pasta?
0: So lately, I've been really on a spaghetti kick. Mm-hmm. Spaghetti and marinara sauce. Just classy. Yeah. Um, and Yeah keeping it bland over here keeping it bland you know
1: i i too go through strong pasta phases sometimes where are like all i want to eat i don't i love pasta though so now I i'm hungry too. i know now i'm
0: ready to go eat so. now
1: i'm hungry so bit of a shorter episode today short and research based hope that's yes. okay with you guys but uh complete our survey yes. please It'd be very nice of you. We'd appreciate it very much. Uh, Follow us on social media. Yes. Don't forget. And if you you have a spare dollar or euro per month that you're not doing anything with, just burning a hole in your pocket and you feel like giving it to us to support our podcast, our Patreon exists. And the link is in the episode description.
0: Yes, so please donate if you so feel inclined um and and again another big thank you to our sponsor of the show today podcorn so yeah. so
1: yeah great thank you podcorn thank you for to our patrons thank you to everyone and thanks for getting spooky with us thanks guys see you next time